Welcome to the Speak the Language podcast. Today is January the 10th, Monday. Jordan and myself are not in studio. We are in, we are at, in my studio. We're in Jordan's camp room at Kudzu. Housekeeping items, they just made ratings available on Spotify. Yeah. Spotify was like, there was no rating whatsoever. We always ask for ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts. But they just made it to where you can you can't write a review or anything. I don't know if they're going to do that or not. But you can leave a rating. So yeah, show us some love, please. Yeah, it really is amazing. Like the amount of time Spotify podcast has become as significant as it is. Very but, much so. Yeah, I mean every probably like every month you can see more and more of our, our just our demographics skewing over to that side. But yeah, even if you listen listen to it on Apple Podcast, just you know. Yeah. Drift, migrate over to that Spotify app, type in Primo's Hunting, or type in Speak the Language Podcast, leave us a rating. It helps the show, helps more people find it, helps me and Jordan keep our lights on at the house, be able to buy groceries, <laughs> buy Knox food. Yeah. Um, you want to know, we haven't done one of these in a while, but uh, I have an embarrassment story of my own that uh, you'll get a kick out of. Those happen pretty regularly. You just don't tell them. This one's, well, this one's good. This one's good. So this weekend, I got the opportunity to go duck hunting with a mutual friend of ours. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I'm not going to give away any geographic hints because just out of respect for him, I, I don't know if he'd care or not, but you don't really need him for the nature of this story. But anyhow, I had to, the invite came along kind of not last minute but i had like a, a day to figure it out and i anyhow it was what i had to do is i'd already promised lacy and some friends of ours that we'd go eat supper at gibbs on saturday night yeah that's a significant part of the story okay um so the plan was i had to eat gibbs eat at gibbs and then when i left and go back to the house grab my stuff grab the dog and haul to duck camp so i'm driving and stop at a gas station, and the wind was whipping Saturday evening, Friday, Saturday evening, and Sunday, all that. Yeah. And at Gibbs, like, I th feel like a lot of people, probably at least our age group and younger, everyone may be like this now. I don't ever have cash, ever. Right. But Gibbs is like cash or check only. Mm -hmm. So every time I go to Gibbs, I have to go to the ATM. So I stop at this gas station in the middle of the Delta. At like 11:30 at night, pop my gas cap open, flip my wallet open. All your money. I'm talking all my cash just goes flying. How much was it? Million dollars? It's over 100 bucks. Oh lord. In twenties, so it was like wasn't like it was like a bunch of dollar bills just <laughs> just you, scattered. You know, made it rain. And there and I I don't even think I just if it I just go to running. <laughs> By the time I gathered. All the dollar bills up, the 20s, I was across a blacktop road and in another place's parking lot. <laughs> and I look up, and Knox is just looking at me through the windshield like, what are you doing? Daddy's gone crazy. And then, I like, so I walked into, I was going to get something to drink, so I walked into the gas station, and the day... <laughs> The dude sit behind the counter. When I walk in, he just looks at me kind of wide-eyed. He doesn't say a word. And I said, did you see all that? And he went, man, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I said, well, I'm your entertainment for the night. He said, I ain't going to lie, man. That was pretty funny. Oh, God. He said, I didn't know if you were going to get all that or not. He said, you started running across that road. I was like, oh, I hope there ain't no cars. <laughs> it was, I mean, thankfully, I mean, it was seriously like 1130 at night when this happened. So it was the, the only people that saw it were Knox, the guy behind the counter, and there was one car there pumping gas. <laughs> And all like the same, the guy in the car was just looking at me, grinning. I was like, "Yeah, well, free entertainment for you this evening, my friend." Yeah, follow like pickle around, you get it. Yeah, that was. Uh, I, I mean, it was. It was the wind was gusting so hard. I mean, it wasn't like I flipped my wallet open and I went, "Oh no!" My, I mean, it was instantaneous, like a bullet out of a gun. Nah, it, was, it was blowing 20, 30 mile an hour. This front coming down. Yeah. Anyhow, that was. Um, <laughs> Yeah, that was that was a wild one. Yeah, that made my day too. Listen to that. I'm I, telling you, I'd like to be a fly on the wall just watching you scramble around. You fall down at all? No, but I, I didn't fall. But it looked like something out of like you like Rocky chasing a chicken. I felt yeah, like a little bit of that. You ever <laughs> seen like I remember watching the Little Rascals when I was a little kid, and the Little Rascals they were like trying to trick these kids. They tie a, a dollar bill to like a fishing line, and every time the kid would get close to it, they'd pull it further and pull yeah. it farther. Mm -hmm. I would get so close to one of those twenties and lunge for it, and it would <laughs> roll far. I'm talking. I mean, I was going everywhere, man. Oh, and God. I was. I see. I didn't realize how far I had made it from my truck until I got the last one. I turned up and looked. I was like, "Oh my gosh, is that the gas station way back there?" <laughs> oh man. I did consider it lucky. I was like, the fact that this happened to me when there's no one around but myself and Knox that I know. You know, I mean, yeah. like it didn't happen on like a primo's trip when everybody's there to film it and stuff on their phones and whatnot <laughs> i'd guarantee you i would have been filming I, would, I know i would not have been helping you i'd have been laughing oh yeah and everyone would no one if if the entire primo's crew was there no one would have done a thing but watched <laughs> i have no doubts about that uh, zero that's none funny. that's funny so yeah that was the um that's the most fun story I had for the weekend. Had fun duck hunting with Knox and our buddy. I mean, our, I, I'm not going to say his name again, but you, you yeah, know our friend. Yeah. He's always, whether the duck hunting's super slow or the best duck hunter of your life, it's going to be entertaining just because that dude's a, he's funny. Yeah, he's a good dude, <laughs> for sure. This podcast is brought to you by OnX Hunt, the app that has completely changed the game and helps you increase your success rates every time you go out in the field. It's something that we legitimately use every single day. Doesn't matter if we're talking elk hunting, deer hunting, duck hunting, upland hunting, bass fishing, it does not matter. We don't go a day without using Onyx Hunt. Public and private land boundaries, the new crop filters, the new 3D mapping system. There is not a time where Onyx cannot help you and they update it all the time, which helps you increase your success rates. So go and check out the Onyx Hunt app today. Use the promo code PRIMOS20 to get 20% off your Onyx Hunt membership. What you, you went deer hunting this weekend? Yeah, I took my dad. He, uh, he's been begging me to go. And not that I don't want to take him. I just what, Busy. don't have time a lot of times. But I was like, all mm -hmm. right, we're going to go this weekend because it's, it's going to be a pretty good weekend, I think. And uh, mm -hmm. we uh, loaded up, went to a new place that, you know, we have access to now and for a while anyway. But uh went to go check it out. I mean, I was... You know how I am. I love hunting new areas anyway yeah. and kind of seeing what, you know, we could do in the future to it, blah, blah, blah. Kind of put an idea together right. for what can happen. And I uh, found a big pipeline. I had an idea on the map where I wanted to go. And uh, we got back there and, well, 
shoot man we pulled up on the on the gas line there and there's already three three deer out in front of where i was gonna put my dad's he was mm. all fired up mm. and uh i went on down the gas line probably 400 yards from where he was and then got up in this old rickety shooting house like it brought me back to the day man yeah. like a four by four just made out of two by fours and one by twos and that kind of thing yeah like had burlap in the windows you know flapping in the wind i was like man this feels like back in the day the old stuff yeah yeah and thing kind of rocks and creaks when you're getting up in it you know yeah and uh man, i know i got up in the stand and looked down the gas line and i see a deer down there there's actually two or three deer and uh they're actually on the neighbors and uh I didn't know it at the time because the first time I'd been there, right. I had to pull up my Onyx and I was looking down there. Okay, they're probably across the line, but one of them was a dang good buck. Huh. I was like, this is 12 o'clock in the afternoon. Like, the middle of the day, there's a buck out there feeding with a doe. And uh, I actually glassed him. Like, I was like, golly, that's a good buck. A big deer. Yeah, it was like a 140 inch deer, probably. Really? Yeah. Huh. And uh, anyway, I crawled up in the stand and shoot, it wasn't, I hadn't been there 10 minutes. I started seeing bucks chasing does and it was a heck of an afternoon my dad saw one he says he had eight or ten on one side <laughs> that's what his description was to me said he came across the gas line head down but he had at least eight or ten on one side you tell me bo didn't empty his gun on him he was i gave him strict orders not to shoot past a certain mark in that field uh, and the deer was 500 yards ah uh, so, but he knows even at that distance that he had eight or ten on one side. Yeah, that's what he said. So he had eight or ten points on one side. Skeptical <laughs> is what I am right now. <laughs> that's what he said. So, uh, he, Anyone that hasn't listened to, I mean, go back and listen to the episode where we called Bo on the phone, and you'll understand why I'm skeptical of his deer analysis so he uh <laughs> we saw deer all afternoon i was really like surprised just going mm. to a new area like that which i mean on a pipeline you can see a mile each yeah. direction so you're going to see deer and uh i think i ended up seeing 17 or 18 rack bucks Yeesh. and uh he saw four or five and had some younger ones come out in the field he was sitting on on the pipeline and he didn't uh he elected not to shoot them hmm. so i gave him strict orders he was like i told him i was like if you pull the trigger you gotta mount it now, you I don't must care. have had him scared to death i don't care what size he is but if you kill him you gotta mount him that's hmm. the only rule so that's old school deer camp rules there mm -hmm. like old old i'm I, like that takes me back talking about we got i want to say it was a deer camp that my pop and i got in in Rankin County, where I grew up, and that was like the rule. Like when they were trying to, that was like the first I'd ever heard about someone trying to actually rein in what was getting shot. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I remember like the new camp rule if you shoot a buck, you got to mount him. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. That wasn't the first rule. The first rule was you got one buck that and you could just shoot whatever. The second one. But you if meant. you, yeah, if this buck number two that you killed, he had to be one that you were going to hang on the wall. That was the management tactic. And it works, you know. I mean, somebody's yeah. going to invest money in a taxidermy bill. They're going to think twice about, yeah. you know, shooting bucks, especially somebody, you know, doesn't exactly know how to age a deer. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't know how to age them that great to the exact year, but I can put them within a two-year span, you know, yeah. three to four, right. four to five most of the time. I mean, we still mess up, but... Mm -hmm. Uh, that was his only rule. Hmm. You shoot it, you got to mount it. That go for like does too? 
<laughs> no, we wasn't shooting no doe back in there. It was uh, like, shoot, we were a mile from the truck. I see. Yeah. I see, I see. Yep, but it was a fun afternoon. Saw a lot of deer, and then uh, shoot last week at Swamp Donkey. I think we, uh, we last time we left everybody, we were going out for your last afternoon hunt, and what a hunt it was. Had I shot the does yet? Yeah, you shot those that morning. Okay. Yeah. Yep. That was like, that was going to be my creative segue because you were talking about crawling up in a box shooting house. Mm hmm. Because you can apply that to Swamp Donkey, too, which granted the shoot houses we're hunting in at Swamp Donkey did not remind me of what I hunted in as a child. They reminded me of what I always dreamed about shooting in. Yeah. Sitting in. And I, just being honest about it. Yeah. Like our, the, the shooting houses they had there at Swamp Donkey were the ones that I can remember watching, like, my earliest introductions to not like videos but like when i the first hunting shows that i saw on network television yeah i'd see them in these like big cool shooting houses with these nice sliding windows and i was mm -hmm. like man what would that be like yeah but yeah that was a uh that was a mighty fine afternoon um yeah we were we had shot the does that morning and mm -hmm. we're going out for that afternoon yep so we can go ahead and tell that story. Yeah, it was a heck of a hunt. Yeah, it. it I was so. We go to this spot, um, and it's kind of. I mean, you're hunting a food plot primarily, but you're also like That's rut. Yeah, it's a rut. You got a lot of stuff going on, and we had like so we climb up the ladder and get into the shooting house and. Jordan hadn't even gotten all his stuff set yet, and I see a flash of deer running down this thicket line. And you just know, especially like you said, with rut me in that time of year, I'm like, it's going to be deer chasing or mm. something. Mm -hmm. And uh, that thicket line was like a primary deer travel highway for the entire evening. Yeah. Just constantly deer moving through there. You'll find that in those river bottoms, too. You find like a timber transition or a mm -hmm. privet line that runs down a little low area. That is can be some good spots to sit up on. Mm -hmm. The how many bucks how many different bucks do you think we saw over over 15 yeah over 15 rack, sure. like rack bucks not counting spikes and stuff yeah like um and so again to, to reiterate like if you if you missed last week last week's episode or you haven't listened to the first swamp donkey episode swamp donkey um want for one i would encourage you to go listen to it because it would make this episode probably make a lot more sense but just kind of a quick go over what what they have going on there and what we were doing there so swamp donkey is under a a very well thought out management program mm -hmm. extremely well thought out another thing about swamp donkey it is situated right on the mississippi river i mean right on the river so a lot of things you see uh on the river in that particular area we talked about cottonmouth and the main reason we left Cottonmouth is because the the high water from the river rising was so tough on it. Swamp donkeys not like that because when the river gets up, they can transition into the hills a lot easier. They don't get the same stress. So what you end up with, swamp donkey has a, for lack of a better word, their deer population is insane. Yeah. Completely insane. Yep. That's, that's nuts. I, I would hate to put a number on how many deer are on that place. There's I mean, no telling. There's, there's habitat has been done right they've got numerous areas to bed and feed and travel and everything you could think of for a whitetail deer they've got it yeah it's and it's and that's why their management program i say is so well thought out because if it didn't have a management program like that they would have they would still have an incredible number of deer 
but you wouldn't see an age structure or deer getting to the size that they do out yeah. there. Uh, and I say that to go like as we saw probably, I would say a minimum of 15 different rack bucks, one of which was like a hundred and he was at least 150 inch 10 point. Yeah. Um, and so uh, he crossed the road so fast on us, we couldn't really get a good yeah. age on him because that doesn't matter. That swamp donkey does not matter what's on their head. Mm -hmm. It's all about age. Yeah. Whether they're 110 inch deer or 160 inch deer, it does not matter. They have to be old enough to shoot. Right. And uh, our discussion, like you could have, I mean, very, I mean, with a rifle, yeah, you could have like gotten a gun out the window, stopped the deer, and threw a shot at him. But that's just not—that's not the management way. It's not how they operate out there. Yep. Um, beautiful deer, like beautiful, beautiful deer. Turns out, I sent that. Um, I took that snippet of video and sent it to Wyatt. And of course, Wyatt, the the mad deer scientist, knew exactly what deer that was. Sent me trail cam pictures of him. He was one that they knew about and was on the no shoot list. Yeah, they're trying to get another year out of him. We, of course, like in the moment, we didn't know what he was, how old. We didn't. I mean, he wasn't one of those deer that he walks out and you go, oh yeah, he's five for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, but again, like incredible to see. He was he 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 was moving like he was trailing one of the does that we'd get seen chase through there earlier. Yeah, I mean, like backing up to the first part when we got right up in the shoot house, that uh, chase that you saw ended up producing it was at least two does in there they were chasing around but it was like six or seven bucks yeah like two of them are sure enough mature bucks but they came across the road like 300 something yards and mm -hmm. so fast just running yeah and uh that was crazy to see i mean that was within 10 minutes of getting in the stand i remember the last deer we saw come through there in that first initial deer boiling out of there chasing that doe one of them was a very big eight point that mm -hmm. we would have shot it just it just didn't happen you know I mean, yep. we, weren't, we weren't even close to ready and this is like this isn't one of those deals where we were like, man, we were running late. Like, I thought we were early. Yeah, we know? were in the stand like at 145. Yeah. It was just that time of year. I don't think there's a bad time to be out there. No, it's not, not at all. But uh, fast forward later on, we had a, a deer that, that Coop saw coming through the woods towards us. Yeah. And uh, he popped out, and he was a really nice eight point. Yeah. And just going back to what we were just talking about, age, age, age. We were thinking he's a four-year-old. I wanted to shoot him. I yeah, won't lie about that. I wanted you to shoot him, but, you know, you got to <laughs> – when you're in somebody else's place, you go by their rules, and that's what makes it so special is yeah. the age structure of deer they have there. Yeah. It's a it's – a, yeah, I, I, I haven't been – I haven't been in a situation like that probably since some of the years at Cottonmouth where yeah. I was like – because I did – I genuinely – I was like, oh, I want to shoot that deer. Yeah. Like very badly. But like I said, we come to the conclusion, and it, it, we talked about this in the last episode too. You gotta, it, it all just, I gain a better understanding of it because I've seen that place. I know a little bit more about their deer population, and I understand because I've seen it work, that management program. Some folks would look at that and be like, well, you're crazy for not shooting that deer. I hear you. Like, I 100% I hear you. It's, but, what they're doing is working you can't argue with their results yeah you know to create an age structure like they have on that place it takes doing that that's the only way you can do it mm -hmm. only way you can do it mm -hmm. and it is very impressive and i see i mean yeah you could go in there this year and shoot the place up and kill you know a lot of mature deer yeah but that's not sustainable no 
it, it only lasts for a couple of years then it's you're like well the hunting's not near as good as it used to be yeah well the plan they have there now it's like it's gonna be good forever yeah. as long as they keep, if that, they up. keep that up they yeah. will it's it, it's really is impressive it's it's this is the way and I, I don't know if i've told you my thinking on this or not and i'm not like i'm not like to asking you to hold back if you go that's a stupid way of thinking just tell me but in my mind you go to a place like that which a place where the deer population is that dense and the pressure is that controlled there's not a lot of places like that in the country no you know what i mean and so i've been probably i'd say maybe over the past two years more intensively i've thought about it ever since i went at school at mississippi state because they taught us some of it there but i've paid more attention to like history of wildlife and where we came from and market hunting and all that stuff and you read books about and you hear stories about like the first pioneers when they got in there and those guys were killing five deer a day with black powder muskets you know yeah so you think about the wildlife density and what it had to have been to have been that insane so obviously they didn't have shooting houses and food plots and road systems like i get that but as far as just seeing deer that dense and unpressured doing what deer naturally do and they don't have a lot of human hunting pressure on them it's like you almost get the opportunity to somewhat look behind the curtain and see how deer might have acted mm-hmm. way back when you know back in time yeah that's the way i think about it yeah i i kind of disagree with you though okay because i mean i don't know this is for a fact this is my opinion mm-hmm. and i think that modern day management practices actually allow a place like swamp donkey to hold more deer than it did 200 years ago okay that's my thinking on it i think the modern day like timber management and if it's done responsibly you actually your carrying capacity goes up even so like before the levee systems before any of that i think so because if you think back 200 years ago before the timber cuts and all that i mean the majority of that was wide open this big bottomland hardwoods yeah because they never got cut so what's that produce not a whole lot of deer habitat yeah i see your point there but what i'm thinking about like i mean you may be right like i said this is just my opinion yeah yeah uh i'm just thinking about like you seriously read and it might not be along the river bottoms but i'm thinking like how were those guys killing five deer a day with that kind of equipment yeah i know i mean they weren't shooting all bucks obviously but like there had to be some density of deer no absolutely i'm not saying it wasn't dense i don't i don't think it's that dense i don't i think right now that swamp donkey in particular probably holds more deer per acre than it ever has Mm. i see your point just because like it's been maximized to hold the the carrying capacity has gone up Mm -hmm. makes sense you mean you take just for for instance we've all seen this and you hate to see this happen but you take a big beautiful hardwood stand yeah and doesn't hold a whole lot of deer as far as carrying capacity no it's pretty but it doesn't hold a lot of deer you take it they come in there and cut it three four three five years later how many deer's on that place? Yeah, because you got more thickets and stuff. A lot more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just my thinking on it. I would like to, and I've been thinking about this for a while. I just haven't been able to find the right guy. But I'd like to talk to someone to find somebody to have on this show that could educate you, me, our listeners, mm-hmm. whoever, more on, like, the Mississippi River, the Delta, just this whole region 
before, like I said, the levy system, before the Delta was turned into primarily ag ag um, yeah. ag production, which I know that's kind of like a tricky one to get into because, and I'm like, I'm just you just start, a history lesson, yeah, pretty much. Well, yeah, and you start talking about that, and then some folks could take it as like where you're saying that the farmers ruined it. I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, I understand we need farmers. I'm just it just interests me. You yeah. know, like I really wish I could see what it was like back then. But I see your point too. I mean, like I said, I could be dead wrong. And I don't um, know. You know, a lot of if you look back in just the last 30 years, which I know a lot of this is the difference in the way people manage their land and stuff, but it also has something to do with the timber landscape changing. Pines, pine monoculture. Look at the difference in deer density in just our state alone in the last 30 years, how drastically it has improved. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's, it's hurt our turkey population. Yeah. But it's definitely carried, like, made our deer population more because capacity has gone up. Yeah. Per, well, it's per probably, like, I've heard, because deer are so much more habitat generalist mm -hmm. than, than, than turkeys are. But, yeah, I mean, you could be right there. It could be, like, those guys were able to kill deer like that back then just because there was quite literally no one hunting them. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder. That's a, that's a thing to think about for sure. I wonder if deer... And this is like a completely unbased thought other than me. Like, I wonder if deer were as, like, prone to using thickets and, and bedding like they do in that hairy, nasty, thick stuff way back when when they didn't have as much pressure on them. That's something to think about, too. You know what I mean? Like elk. Elk yeah. are primarily a plains game. Yeah. And then they got, like, I guess they say they got pushed into the mountains. Or started using timber because of the hunting pressure, mm -hmm. and that's just kind of way they adapted now. Mm -hmm. And that's that's factual there. Yeah. They used to be found on the plains, just like buffalo. Yeah, buffalo. That kind of stuff. I don't know if I. I don't know if folks listening, y'all, the listeners. I don't know if y'all would like that or not. But that kind of stuff fascinates me. Yeah, it is. I mean, just like I mean, I know we're going way off track here, but I mean, like where we elk hunt at in New Mexico, mm -hmm. riding by those old like rock blinds we don't know if indians used them or settlers or whatever but they've been there a minute yeah like they were used by primitive hunters mm -hmm. and that is so cool to see that kind of stuff uh, I, I think about like there's a there's a instagram account that is wildly cool right they're called i think they're called field ethos journal anyhow whatever they posted a picture i think it was last week and it was a a literal pyramid of buffalo skulls mm -hmm. from back because again like i've it, seen that picture before well it's like i heard about it but you would be astonished that a lot of folks i was the same way you you know buffaloes are still kind of around no, you know yeah, that select areas you know there used to be a whole lot more of them but they i mean like we don't have like unless you go and look it up and educate yourself on it you don't understand like how many buffaloes used to be on this continent millions it's crazy is that but again like yeah we're way on a tangent but that kind of stuff just fascinates me man mm -hmm. and i'd like to i could get i listened to i've cited clay newcomb a lot like he did a podcast on um daniel boone that talked talked about a lot of that stuff but I would love to find someone to come on here that has a very very deep knowledge about Mississippi and the Delta and the river, what that kind of stuff. So any of y'all listeners out there, if you have any ideas, cause I haven't been able to track somebody down. Yeah. I've been trying to have unsuccessfully. Um, 
how did we go down that rabbit hole? We didn't even get to the end of that hunt. No. Let's finish your hunt. Um, The eight point came out, and we got on the management kick, and uh, we let the eight point go. Next thing you know, we're talking about buffaloes. Um, So at this point, when that eight point came out, that we decided not to shoot because we couldn't confidently determine he was five or older. uh, It was probably it wasn't dark at all, but it was the sun got behind the trees. Yeah, it was around four thirty ish. Yeah, you start entering that last hour 45 minutes of daylight Mm -hmm. that kind of deal and deer started i mean we were seeing deer all afternoon but we started seeing deer more concentrated coming to the food plot instead of chasing here and there yeah and these two bucks kind of popped out on the edge of the food plot at the same time uh one of them was another eight point that again i was about to draw down on um and one of them was a he was an eight point at one time but he'd he'd been doing a little fighting, a little scrapping. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was he was like one of those deer that again we're talking about specifically shooting for age structure here. When that deer, when I first saw him, he had his head down and he was eating in the food plot. When he picked his head up and moved around a little bit, we like, all, no brainer. We were all like, yeah, that's the deer, that's the one. You can shoot him and confidently know he's old enough. You know. Yep. Uh, he had one eye swollen shut from fighting. That deer had the most injured neck from fighting that I had ever seen on a deer. He's one of those bully boys. He had been, he had been like, I don't know if y'all have seen the, the picture or anything yet, but, I mean, he's busted up. His antlers are busted up, and I think he continued fighting after his antlers were oh, busted yeah. up. I think that's why his neck was so cut up. He didn't have, he didn't have as much protection. Kind of veering not off subject but deer like that you know you hear a lot of people talk about shooting coals or management bucks to mm-hmm. help improve the genetics of uh, genetics genetics yeah. of their place mm-hmm. that has kind of been proven that really doesn't help but mm-hmm. what you do do in this situation is you get that bully out of that area yeah because he potentially is taking up room of talking about trophy deer he's potentially taking up that that area from a sure enough trophy buck Mm -hmm. you know as a bully because it doesn't matter what a deer has on their head their attitude controls the area Mm -hmm. yeah so that's that's the purpose of shooting management bucks on swamp donkey yeah well the other thing too is there's genuinely and again i understand this they have some folks that come through there and when they come there and they have paid for their hunt they want to kill a certain size deer yeah and i i understand that you know and there's a lot of folks they probably if they're shooting for a certain size deer they probably won't shoot that buck yeah whereas like you or me or just about anybody else on this primo's crew i'm like yep that one's fine i like him just i like him great mature buck yeah um so he was there and we had to wait a little bit because we looked at the other 8.2 and trying to figure out what he had going on, determined he wasn't confidently five. Might have been, but we knew this one standing out there were like, he is five for sure. Uh, so we waited, and he turned broadside. And uh, when we say five for sure, we mean five or older. Yes, yes, five or older. Thank you for clarifying that. Um, he turned broadside. I shot. Um, I immediately knew I was going to catch grief from Jordan because I didn't drop him. He ran. <laughs> this is an ongoing joke we've had all year because uh, this being real, you've been trained your whole life to shoot a deer behind the shoulder. That's the first thing. That's like, like, yeah. like that's what you do with a bow for sure. Yeah. And uh, with a gun, we all like to anchor them right there. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing good. Last season was my year for for <laughs> dropping deer. 
I was doing so good at it. This season, not so much. Uh, I mean, I'm. I mean, you know. I mean, I mean, I tucked it in the crease. I mean, he went maybe 50, 60 yards. One hundred percent deadly shot. Like yeah, awesome it, shot. So we're, we're being finicky there. I didn't take a risky shot. You know. Yeah, we're just like giving you heck about something. Yeah. So I was. He started running. I was like, I'm gonna catch grief about that. But he. I mean, he was dead. Yeah. I mean, it got lungs and all that. I mean, and so we climbed down, went and got him. He was exactly what we thought he was. I mean, because you know what I mean when you you don't want to get up there and go, oh, that deer wasn't. Uh-oh. He was, he was younger than I thought. You don't want one of those instances. But we were confident there. But, yeah, that, that summed up our trip at Swamp Donkey. Truly, like, incredible place. It really is. It's, it's awesome. And now we are back at Kudzu. Uh, me and Troy went hunting Friday afternoon. Yeah. And uh, went over to the, what are we calling that place, Kudzu North? Yeah. We went over there. On Your Instagram set. story looked like y'all were at the theater. Theater stand, yep. And Troy shot a nice buck there back in November, and it's just one of those spots you go on a cold day, you expect to see a bunch of deer. Yeah. And, uh, dude, we got there at 1230 in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. Walked up to this road. There is 13 deer standing in a plot. Why is that place like that? A rack buck, a spike, and all those. And I'm like, what are we going to do? Well, anyway, one of them finally catches something, jigs up, and they walk off in the woods. Yeah. Like, just enough to get them to move, which yeah, I, yeah. I'm fine with that. I don't like running them out of the country, but if they see me and walk off, I'm okay with it. Sure. At least they're not disturbing everything else. Yeah. yeah. Well, we get up there, sit down. We hadn't even been in the blind. 15 minutes, here comes a, a buttonhead. My God. <clears throat> we finna we finna see some stuff this afternoon. Back in the chips. Man, we've been there for an hour and a doe and a yearling come out there. Well I'll back up. There's a there's a two and a half year old spike that come out there. He probably needs shooting. Just because like mm. like when I say a spike, I mean like half inch spikes. Mm. Like barely coming out of his head and he's like two or three year old deer. Something's mm. wrong, like antler wise with him. Well, mm. uh, anyway, sitting there and they started acting fishy. And they walked off in the thicket, and a doe and a yearling come out probably 20 minutes later. This is probably 3.30 in the afternoon. They come out, like, to our southwest. Mm-hmm. The wind's supposed to be out of uh, – no, they come out to our southeast. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. The wind's supposed to be out of the east, so you should be good with deer coming out from the east, right? Right. You would she, think. She immediately throws her head up, starts blowing, and walks off. No bueno. And I puff the wind, and it's, like, swirling like a son of a gun. So me and Troy just like, okay, we got to get out of here before we blow this whole place up. So that was our afternoon Friday. We got in there, hunted three hours, left at four. So it's Mm. one of those things I hated leaving, but you're not doing any good with the wind doing like that. All we're doing is sacrificing it for a week. Yeah, that's no good. Uh, Brad and I went and hunted his new place. And that's been fun. I mean, because it's like, I mean, it's a new place, you know, so there's like, there's no, there's plenty of unturned stones. You don't know what the deer do. I mean, you kind of get a general idea, but we hunted a food plot that Brad had put out there. I mean, there's a little bow hunting plot and we hunted there that morning, like uh, right on close to the edge of the river and didn't see a whole lot. Uh, And so we went and pulled camera cards and checked them and there was a uh there was two bucks coming into this food plot and a lot of other deer one buck was like a nine point that he didn't want to shoot he was four years old one of them was an eight point that he would shoot all day and i was like sweet the winds we thought the wind was going to be good you know let's go in there 
uh, it got about I don't know 4:30, and the wind the wind was not swirling on us. The wind was doing what they said the wind was going to do, but it was just a case of this place is new. I don't think I don't think Brad had even hunted that food plot yet, mm -hmm. and just he the deer were not doing exactly what he thought we were doing and what ended up happening is we saw the eight point that he wanted to shoot but he came like he he didn't come from downwind but the way he decided to come like i heard something you know how it is like i'd been hearing squirrels and birds hopping around in the leaves all afternoon but i heard something i was like that's a deer yeah. you know so i spin around and i go to looking and I start catching movement through all this mid-story timber. And I'm like, oh, it's a deer. And I catch glimpse of antlers. I'm like, oh, and so I go to tapping Brad. And, I mean, he, the deer's only, I don't know, like 60 yards. Right. And I get in a close enough view, and I'm like, oof, that's a pretty good buck. And he walks down this ridge directly into our wind. And I saw that head snatch up. Mm -hmm. I was like, uh. And we never got, like, a super positive Brad never saw him, but I never got a complete positive identification on him. But I'm seventy to eighty percent sure it was that eight point that he was going to shoot. Dead gone. So, um, you know, as part of hunting a new place, he was like, "Yeah," he said, "I need to move this boat," you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah, but, figuring it out. You gotta. Mm -hmm. I always say it takes you three years to figure a place out, mm -hmm. really, where you can go in there and confidently hunt it every time. Yep. Yep. So. That's where we're at up here now in year two, and we're figured out a whole lot more than we did last year, but we yeah. still got a whole lot to figure out. Yeah, there's plenty to figure out. Um, so, yeah, here it sits Monday. It won't be long for – I know Troy and Brad are both going to be in camp this week. We'll hunt around and see what we can do. And yep. And you know the best part about this is this January the 10th, mm -hmm. and that means it's a little over two months until turkey season. Yep. Yeah, we're getting there. Getting yeah. there. Yeah, it is. I think about there's already been folks asking for turkey podcast. I'm like, not, not it not has nothing to do with me and you wanting to. <laughs> I could start talking about turkeys three months ago. I did put in for some draws two weeks ago. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, it won't be long. It will not be long. Uh, we're about to sign off here, but I will say again, I'm going to continue to tease this. Not just because for the sake of teasing it, but also because I just it's not nailed down enough yet where I can't give all the details away. But there's we're doing something with our when we start switching to Turkey Podcast, we're doing something that we've never done before. And I'm very excited about it. And when as soon as we get everything nailed down, we will tell y'all what it is. Yeah. That's all I can say. Yeah. Uh cool. We will sign off here. I hope y'all enjoyed this week's podcast. Happy hunting. Uh, we still got, like I said, if you're in the southeast at least, I know you got, or if you're in the state of Mississippi, I know you got 20-something days left of good hunting. And then, south, I mean, crap, in uh, south Alabama and south Mississippi, they roll to the 15th February. Yeah, you got about a month left. Yeah. <laughs> so, so hang in there. Uh, good hunting ahead of you. Y'all stay safe. As always, thank you for listening to the Speak the Language podcast.